Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This is the Fight Fan with your host, Pete Hoffman. You can follow me on Twitter at the Hoff WFAM. And we are recapping UFC 285, John Jones versus Cyril Gaon. And we'll just jump right into the main event, John Jones defeated Cyril Gaon for the heavyweight title, and the buildup of John Jones over the past three years of not being in the UFC, of making that jump to heavyweight, there was a lot of question marks that were there. I started to feel a little bit skeptical as he was walking into the cage, walking in, looking a little, you know, obviously he's he's heavier. He looks the, the feel of John Jones compared to the light heavyweight fights that he's been in. It just felt different. It was good to see him back in the cage. Cyril gone, you know, just being that ripped, big, versatile heavyweight, you, you felt that this was going to go a little bit deeper in the waters. And the fact that John Jones was able to just defeat Cyril gone so quickly in two minutes, two minutes and four seconds, to be able to take him down with ease um, and not really even take any damage at all. There was the, the only strike was that groin strike, which the first uh, kick of the, the, the night for Cyril Gaon, that was it. That was the only damage uh, or only real uh, strike that Cyril Gaon was able to, to pull, pull, pull off. And it was just impressive to see John Jones work so quick. But there's still a lot of questions as far as the heavyweight division. But here's why I feel like, you know, because some people are like, oh, well, it happened so quick. It happened so quick. Was the fix in? Oh, you always hear that type of stuff. Let me just put it this way. First of all, if you look at the footage that that it's amazing, the Henry Cejudo footage of what he was showing Cyril, uh, showing John Jones to do if he was able to get Cyril gone up against the cage was not identical to a T. But the the idea of it was there. He said, if you get him against the cage, don't have to go and, and pressure him and and put all your power into it. But you can rest on him and let allow him to try to get out of it. Allow him to try to get it off the ground. In doing so, you will find openings in places, and that's when you jump on him. So it wasn't a t- it wasn't to the T of what. Suhudo was explaining, but in doing so, it allowed John Jones because we it happened so quick. You know, the John Jones taking him down so quick was one thing, but the actual submission of the guillotine choke was quick because initially you saw him in in a in a in a submission in an attempt, but it didn't look strong. It didn't look stable. So when out of nowhere you see gone tap, it's like what happened. And again, you see the replay where he 
tries to get up, and Jones is able to just sink in that guillotine real quick. It was like, okay, he did have it. It, w- it was a legitimate tap, but we never, from the original angle of the fight, you didn't see it really happen so well because it happened so quick. But I think John Jones had this mentality going into the heavyweight fight, going into a situation where he's not used to that weight class. He didn't really, not saying that he didn't want to go into a striking fight, but he didn't need to. And he didn't need to take on useless damage. He wasn't going to toy with his opponent. This is not light heavyweights where he didn't take a serious, like no offense to Dom, um, to uh, Dominic Reyes or to Tiago Santos or Anthony Smith. Even they openly admitted the fact that, like, the names that he had fought to get to the level of GOAT status of John Jones, when he had to take on guys like Anthony Smith and Dominic Reyes, it wasn't it wasn't the same pressure. It wasn't the same, you know, uh, level of fight. And did he take it not so serious? Maybe. Um, Cyril Gaon, did he take serious? I don't know, but it's a different. it was a different challenge for him. It was a different challenge, but I'll say this much. He, going into a weight, different weight class, you don't want to get into that striking fight, which is what he killed and and basically just um, extinguished by taking gone to the ground, by exposing something that Francis Ngannou was able to do was expose the 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 ground skills of Ciro Gan that, you know, John Jones jumped on. And he basically extinguished any sort of firepower of any sort of stand-up game. And and he eliminated that. So it was something. So it's not, John Jones is not really fully tested in the heavyweight division. No one can sit there and say, oh, well, that's it. John Jones is going to be, uh, an elite heavyweight fighter, but what he did was he showed that his his skill set, his ground game is still very much intact. That he's able to, um, I mean, you think about some of the better heavyweight wrestlers. There's Curtis Blades, you know, that's the type of guy that you see. Can he go toe to toe with John Jones? Is that a fight that's up there? Stipe Miocic is a good, well-rounded fighter as well. A little bit older. You know, he had those rough fights with, with Daniel Cormier. He had that last fight with Francis Ngannou. Stipe's going to get the rematch. That's basically what he, they were talking about leading into that fight, that no matter whoever he whoever won that fight, Stipe was going to get in July. Now, listen again. The fact that there was no damage whatsoever, maybe they could turn around this fight sooner than later. I mean, there was no damage on either fighter. I mean, even, even Cyril Gan. I mean, he didn't take much damage at all. He just got choked out. It was quick. There was no there was no ground and pound by John Jones. There was really nothing that really put any anyone in, in severe injury, severe danger, just a choke. So John Jones again dominated this fight. It was good to see him back. There was a lot there was a lot of hype, but now we need to see more. And Stipe, can he be ready for July? He said he was ready for March. He wanted to do March. He did want to do it, but they gave the other fight to Gon. So he uh, he sounds like he's ready. 
He sounds like he's excited for it, and I'm looking forward to it as well. Listen, John Jones really should be fighting Francis Ngannou. That's really, and and this is I love Steve Miocic. He's arguably, and again, the the John Jones is going to play this up really nice. He's going to be saying the right things. He's going to you know basically say that Francis Ngannou's scared of the fight because. The UFC doesn't have a contract with him right now. And Dana White goes on record basically saying that, that Francis Ngannou will never fight in the UFC ever again. We'll see about all that stuff. But the Stipe thrown out there that he's the GOAT of the heavyweight division. It makes a John Jones fight sexy. It makes a John Jones, Stipe Miocic very, very sexy. But the reality is, is Francis Ngannou is the best heavyweight right now in the UFC. I'm sorry, in MMA. There, there's no debate that, that Francis Ngannou is the best heavyweight in MMA, MMA right now. And he's not in the UFC. And he's nowhere at the moment. I mean, they're talking about a Tyson Fury fight, um, which I don't really want to see. I'm not really into a boxing fight with Francis Ngannou. I mean, I know it's nice to see um, as far as as maybe pulling in money, Francis Ngannou, yes, it would be It's you know a puncher a heavy striker like Francis Ngannou, who's got so much power. Yeah, it's great to see him go into a boxing match, but I don't need to see him get destroyed by Tyson Fury. I don't, because that would definitely kill his his power. That will definitely kill the buzz of Francis Ngannou. I want to see him in an MMA fight. I want to see him take on other MMA fighters, because that's where he's best uh, suited. No offense. like I mean, him versus Deontay Wilder is a more... Fair fight, I guess you could say, because they're both. It's not about the boxing skills; it's about the knockout skills, and who has the best knockout power, who can land their uh, a better strike. That's what it comes down to between those those two fighters, between Francis Ngannou and Deontay Wilder. I don't need to see Tyson Fury basically, you know, outwork Francis Ngannou and make him look silly. That I don't need to see. I, I want to see Francis Ngannou. Be in the MMA world where he knows best. He can control a fight. He's worked on his ground control. He's worked on like you know his his uh, wrestling defense. He's worked on a lot of stuff. And I I, I want to see that John Jones Francis Ngannou fight. What should happen? Don't know if it will happen, but what should happen is John Jones should fight Stipe Miocic, and then the winner of that takes on Francis Ngannou. They should bring back Francis Ngannou. They should work something out. That is what needs to happen. That has to happen. Whether or not it will or not, that that's uh, that'll be debatable. But regardless, John Jones is still one of the best of all time. It's great to see him back in the cage where he belongs, and we'll see what happens as far as our turnaround with him. Cyril gone, disappointing. Overall, and he said it basically how much effort he put into that, and it, nothing happened. It was like it was a waste of time. If he felt like, um, the women's flyweight Alexa Grasso defeats Valentina Shevchenko. If you told me about the biggest upsets in recent history, they've come out of the women's division. You know, all these. You talk about Amanda Nunes losing to Juliana Pena. You talk about Rose Namajunas losing to uh, Jessica Andrade. Like, a lot of the upsets have been coming from the women's divisions, and this is by far one of the biggest upsets. You know, and I saw someone compare it to the uh, the Leon Edwards over um, 
Kamara Usman or the the Alex Pereira over Israel Adesanya, it's definitely up there on that level too. Um, where where these where Valentina Shevchenko was winning two out of the, at least the first two out of the first three rounds, probably win the fourth round as well. Up until she gave that spinning back kick that didn't land, and Alexa Grasso was able to take her back. And it was interesting to see because we haven't seen Shevchenko in many compromising situations in her in her MMA career. Even the losses with Amanda Nunes, we never really saw her any any really bad situations. The the, the Santos fight, the Talia Santos fight with with Valentina Shevchenko, maybe we saw some some holes in her game there. But Alexa Grasso, who had a good first round. You know, was struggling in the in the in the next two, the second and third round. She was definitely struggling in, and Shevchenko was really finding a groove and was able to uh, do a little damage to Grasso. And it just felt like a typical Valentina Shevchenko fight. And then all of a sudden, that spinning back kick that that completely missed, and it reminds me of the Chris Weidman Luke Rockhold fight, where Weidman lost the belt to Luke Rockhold because. I don't want to say it was lazy because it certainly wasn't a lazy kick that Shevchenko threw, but it just was ill-timed, and she did, she showed her hand too often, and Grasso must have seen that coming because she was able to avoid it and pounce on it. And again, the choke was so – the neck crank was so nasty that, again, the, the color of her face was completely white when she let go of it. Uh, her once, once Shevchenko tapped, it was uh, – she was going out sooner than later, and it was it was crazy and well deserved. And it's funny because I was always saying of Shevchenko, I wanted to see so many different matchups with her. I think there were so many women that were that I wanted to see her face. I did not see the the rise of Alexa Grasso over the past few years. I know that she's made a good comeback because she was so highly touted originally when she came up in the UFC. The you know she kind of fell flat. The past few years, she kind of fell out of suit, and she's done enough to get back in the rankings. And listen, she was number six coming into this fight. You know, you we've seen Shevchenko fight the Lauren Murphys of the world, the Caitlin Chukagans of the world, the Jessica Eyes of the world, and they were ranked higher and better. And then you see, uh, you know, Alexa Grasso, because it felt like there was no one else to give Shevchenko. So you give her Alexa Grasso, and whether Shevchenko didn't take her serious enough or whatever, um, again, the loses to uh, to 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 Grasso, and the, the Grasso is the now the third. Now there's three Mexican fighters uh, who have the belts: Yara Rodriguez, Brenda Moreno, and Alexa Grasso at the women's flyweight. So congratulations to Alexa Grasso. Uh, over overall, though, the main card was pretty awesome. You had Shav, Shavkat Rachmanov versus Jeff Neal, which again another the fight of the night, and it's disappointing because Jeff Neal could have got paid more, but he. Got the bonus. They did give him the bonus money, but he missed weight by five pounds, so they made it a 175 fight, but it was incredible. You talk about Rachmanov really being tested, Jeff Neal going out all the way, um, landing some really big strikes, really making Rachmanov work for a win, which is the first time we've seen him go into any sort of um, uh, any sort of compromising situation. We saw him get rocked a little bit. He was able to weather the storm. Jeff Neal is no joke. He's always got... This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? 
Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Uh, he always brings the fight. He always brings a good fight to the table. And Rachmanov, listen, showed off his skill set, was able to, I mean, the, the, the ending choke, the the rear naked choke to, to end the fight was outrageous, uh, how he pulled that off. But the fight as a whole was incredible. And again, Jeff Neal never given up, uh, no matter how often he was getting rocked. And and Rachmanov's on a, on a different level, though. That, that to me is, you know, a welterweight who is well-rounded, who has risen quick and can take on the likes of anybody in the welterweight division, no matter if it's Kamzat, whether it's Leon Edwards, whether it's Kamaru Usman, uh, Rachmanov is is moving fast and should get a title fight very, very soon. You have uh, Gamrot who jumped in, Matsov Gamrot, who jumped in last minute, 10 days notice to fight Jalen Turner. Close fight. Interesting fight. I love Turner. Um, did he deserve the win? Possibly. I saw some people go back and forth with that fight, saying that Turner deserved a win on that. Um, Gamrot took him down a couple times, I think, in the first round. Uh, but not. Listen, Turner is a great fighter, and this is something where he could. It doesn't destroy his career. Again, even though Gamrot's coming on on a ten day short notice fight to hop in there and save the day. Turner still took that fight on. Gamrot's obviously a little bit, couple, a little bit levels ahead of him in certain areas. But Turner's a very skilled fighter. He's got that long reach. He's very skilled, and I'm not really nervous about Jalen Turner and his career in UFC. But Gamrot got the win. The middleweight fight between Bo Nickel and Jamie Pickett. The controversy there is, and I saw it live time too, in real time. I saw Bo, uh, Jamie Pickett, you know. Um, Grimace like he got a groin strike. So I saw that from the jump. I, I didn't look back, but at the time, I was like, oh, was it low? It's, his face was like it was low. Whether Bo Nickel meant to or not, he may have actually grazed him. He may he may have hit the – listen, he said he hit the inner thigh, but most fighters don't realize when they've – I mean, unless they hit directly the cup, you can graze it and not realize it, right? So that's a possibility. Um, did he purposely do it? No. I don't think he, if he did hit Jimmy Pickett in the groin, he did not purposefully do that. Because um, it's just, you're just a tactic is going on the inner thigh to try to, to, to you know, get that reaction of, uh, and try to wear down the legs and whatnot. Bo Nickel knows what he's doing. That's for sure. Whether he was going to hit him in the groin or the thigh or wherever, 
he knew what he was doing. He, he was going to get his opponent down to the ground. I mean, that was the one bet that someone asked me, what's the lock of the day? Bone nickel by submission was 100%. Uh, and I said, you know, ballsy, go for the first round. And that's what happened. So, Bone nickel, welcome to the UFC. Great fight, fight by him. And that's, again, you think about this. Uh, he That's his first fight in the in the UFC, first real UFC fight, and it's on a pay-per-view event. It's pretty incredible. Uh, Good by him. Now, listen, you know his skill set is not striking. You know it's about submissions, and he's he did a hell of a job there. So uh, he will work his wrestling as much as possible. Can he be more well-rounded, and does he have to be always – can he figure out a, a more of a striking game? Can he be more diverse, or is it just me focused on the wrestling? I mean, there's some people that have have had a ton of success with lacking in the striking skills and still being able to wrestle. Listen, Colby Covington doesn't hit the hardest, but his wrestling is so relentless that he's been able to win a lot of fights like that. Uh, that's actually a really good comp is a, a Colby Covington style of fighter. Um in the middleweight division. Maybe, but more fine-tuned with the submission skills that I think uh, with Bo Nickel. Uh, as far as some other fights that went down that was really that were really interesting, obviously the return of Cody Garbrandt to me was exciting. I know some people were a little disappointed with his fight over Trevor Jones. Trevor Jones coming in late on the uh, late-notice fight for him. Short-notice fight, that is. Cody said he suffered a stinger leading into this fight, which almost crippled him and almost had him take him out of the fight. So the fact that he was back, was able to fight, was pretty awesome. You know, it's the first time. I'm not saying it was the most exciting fight by Cody Garbrandt. But what I will say this is he looked good enough to compete against other, you know, higher-level bantamweights. He wasn't overly um, reckless, which is a problem of Cody Garbrandt's. I mean, Cody Garbrandt in a nutshell is he's got power, he's got pop, he's got the agility, um, but the biggest problem with him is if he gets tagged, if 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 he feels like he's in a um, fight-or-flight moment, rather than kind of like moving back and moving away, he, he fights. And in doing so, he leaves himself open open and to getting tagged and knocked out, which has happened many times. His chin has been questioned now a lot recently. So the fact that he didn't allow himself to get into that style of fight was good. You know, Trevor Jones really never he never really uh, engaged Cody enough to really uh, step up the fight. Trevor Jones, that is, excuse me. Never really put on on any sort of pressure to uh, to Cody to, to force him into a, a you know, a brawl. So that's on Trevor Jones. As far as Cody, he was being patient. Um, and again, if there was any injury that he he was worried about, he handled it rather well. And he looked like he was moving well, too. Like, do you look at the Dominic Cruz fight where he was dancing and he was kind of like popping, locking and popping a little bit, having some fun. He started doing that again in this fight. Not as egregious and not like a showboaty. And it was interesting to hear Daniel Cormier uh, say that it sometimes fighters do that, but not to showboat, but to kind of get the legs moving a little bit because they want to see check their speed. They want to make sure that they're fast, so they just do that here and there. Uh, either that or the, that was Rogan. One of the two were saying that, so that was interesting. Uh, note C. So maybe it's not so much of him trying to show off, but to him just to make sure that he's 
he's able to like regain his speed because he was doing that the TJ the first TJ Dillashaw fight. You know, he the first round with TJ Dillashaw with the two squared up while Cody still the belt. He had that. He had that swag to him, and then uh, couldn't finish the round with TJ. And then the next round he got knocked out, and that was kind of the last we saw of the real T, the real Cody Garbrandt. So it's good to see that type of foot movement from him. Um, I'm just curious to see how soon he gets back into the cage. It wasn't much damage to him, which is good, uh, but hopefully that stinger wasn't too bad, and hopefully he could find his way back into the cage. And if he can go that patient counter-striker approach and not be reckless, he could still be a threat in the UFC, in the bantamweight division. There's no question. Cody Garbrandt's an exciting fighter, man. He really is. Um, and the adversity he's got, he's gone through over the past three years, getting knocked out, having to come back. Listen, the back injury was a real thing, which is why, you know, the, the TJ Dillashaw fights, he wasn't 100%. Neither of them. Like, uh, he he definitely had issues there, and it's good to see him just back in the wing column, that's for sure. He definitely needed to win. The Dracus Duplacis fight versus Derek Brunson was an amazing fight. Now, listen, Duplacis, you look, Dupl- I think I'm screwing up his name, but Duplacis, he is... My, I was watching with JD, my my uh, oldest, and he was sitting there going like, "Oh, he's worn out. Look at look at his mouth open." And you hear Rogan talking about that. You hear about all these guys talking about how he he looks tired. He's tired from jumping because he just can't breathe right. Like they made a point, he needed surgery. He he took this fight, and uh, on it, and he didn't chose to take the fight rather than have the nose surgery. I don't know if it's actually better to have the nose surgery because it looks like every fight he looks so drained. It looks like he's going to be losing. It looks like his opponent has him locked up. And then next thing you know, he's just, Duplessis is just wailing away on, on his opponent. I mean, he, Derek Brunson, thank God that his team threw in the towel. There was no need for a third round there. And, and, and part of that is, I think, because it's like a decoy. It's almost like Iwan Kudalaba versus uh, um, Magomed Ankalaev, and he played possum, but the ref called it because he thought that there was uh, he was going limp. It looked like he was getting too wobbly. And as soon as they called the fight, he stood there like, dude, what are you talking about? That was kind of – and you look at the replays. He was blocking every punch, but he was playing that possum type of role so that he could hopefully, you know, kind of bring – Ankalov to him, Ankalaev to him, and he'd be able to like you know lay him out or or put him in a spot where he wasn't expected. And unfortunately, the ref didn't understand it because he thought he looked like he was getting tagged. So I get it. Um, so uh, with Duplacis, you look at the possum type of style with his mouth breathing and the fact that he can't. You know, close his mouth. If he can't go out there the normal way. Now, I don't know if it really takes anything out of him, but it certainly looks like it does. And if that's a way to play possum to your opponents, why are you going to get fixed a surgery? Why would you do that? Because you look like you're drawn out after the first round, and the everyone's saying the same thing. They're like, oh, he's done. He's he's exhausted. And I don't know if that 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 makes Derek Brunson feel like he's got him where he wants him. Maybe he takes a little load off too because he sees his opponent wearing down. And he's really not. I mean, to, to personally speak, I think it's almost an advantage for Duplacis. But uh, regardless, uh, I, the, he knows better than I do. But that, that to me, is that's an advantage that most people don't really get to see. Um, as far as everything else, Julian Marquez got destroyed by Marc-Andre Baralt. 
uh, TKO punches, which which was very crazy. Uh, again, late stoppage in my opinion. But there was a couple questionable decisions, personally speaking. Uh, the Ian Gary fight versus Song Kanan. Gary looked like he was going to get he got dropped in the first at the end of the first round, but able to withstand the Kanan pressure, and then came out one in the uh, in the third round, late in the third round. First off, the John Jones fight stunk. Gain had no interest in fighting. He was scared of Jones. Dude, Jones took him down within three seconds, though. It was, dude, it was, you, can't, you can't. You can't be the number one heavyweight contender and go down that easy. Well, That was bull crap. But that just a, shows the elite level of John Jones. No, he didn't take him down with anything special. No, he didn't. The guy gave up. The guy didn't want to get hurt. No. Yes, he was afraid of Jones. That was not a real fight. Come on. Stop with the nonsense. And the whole night sucked. D- no, that's not it true. It should have been a great night, and it turned out, let's be honest, the girls' fighting was good. Bounty of Shevchenko. And that yeah. was about it. No. I watched the whole night. The Rachmanov fight versus Jeff Neal was unbelievable. Rachmanov is going to win the belt. He's, he's, a, he's one of the best welterweights out there. He's going to go fight no, the guy. No, he's good. He's and good. Jeff Neal went out there. He, listen, Jeff Neal took a beating. He did. But I respect close, that. It was a close Both guy, And he, he connected a couple good crosses. Yes. Rachmanov showed a chin. But I was so disappointed in game. It's a waste of time. Yeah, but 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 Jones didn't do anything. Well, he did. He outsmarted him. And listen, did, did he you, didn't did do you, anything. Did Come you, on, you don't go down that easy unless you want to go down. Well, here's the thing, though, right? Did you see the Henry Cejudo stuff? The, the he was teaching him some stuff. If you can get him against the cage, because here's the thing: is John Jones. I don't know if he could take a punch in the heavyweight division yet. We don't know that. But I'll tell you this: we much. still don't know that. He's he's still so skilled that Cejudo told him get him against the cage. Let don't put a lot of pressure on him. Let him make a mistake. And as soon as he put one mistake, he got him in the, the like, I'll tell you this. Team. That fight does not – listen, I thought he was the best pound-for-pound pound uh, fighter. Him and George St. Pierre, for me, in my money at least. Um, that didn't prove it. No, it didn't. He didn't beat him. He I, didn't out, I need to see, outfight him. He didn't – I just, need to see him versus Francis Ngannou. That's what he needs to yeah. see him against, which is – I don't know what the UFC's doing. He's not him. a UFC fighter oh, anymore. I know, which is BS, by the way. Dana White's saying that. He's like Mavis Gondrag. Well, but, but that's because – He's got nowhere to fight. The, right, and I don't want to see him fight Tyson Fury. That to me is stupid. No, because he's not a box. No, Deont- you throw him against Deontay Wilder because they're just going to try to outstrike each no, other. No, he should fight John Bones Jones. Well, how are you anyway, going to get that done? Money. Okay. That's how you get that done. But Dana White's not going to pay him. Trust me, he'll make more money than both of them. Stipe Miocic, let let John Jones beat Stipe, and then you bring Francis back. Right? We're talking to you. You too. Thank thank you for pointing out all my mistakes, Craig. I appreciate that. Dude, it was three in the morning and I was half asleep. I know you. <laughs> and yeah, that was a. I thought it was a good night of fights. Craig, Craig says that it wasn't, but I think it was a good night of fights. I think that for the most part, the main card was pretty good. Um, again, I was happy to see some of these other fighters. Again, if you're not a diehard UFC fan, maybe you're a little bored of some of the, these fights and stuff like that. But I, I could be. I sat there all night and I was engaged. I thought there was. A, to be honest with you, even the, the one of the better fights was the first fight of the night. The, the Loik Rajabov versus Esteban Ribovics, which went to a decision, and to be fair, could have gone either way. Ribovics was great job countering fight, uh, countering all the, uh, the takedowns and the strikes. It was an unbelievable Again, I think it was an unbelievable card. Craig thinks differently, but eh, it's all good. We will. Uh, we have another card coming up this weekend with the uh, Marab Devashvili fight and the Puryan fight, which is a great card, which is a good, good, good card. I don't want to say great card. Uh, but a good, good card. Alexander Volkov, Alexander Romanov on there. Nikita Krylov versus Ryan Spam, which was supposed to be uh, a couple fight nights ago. That is on there. 
and they will be fighting. I believe it's going to be, I think it's 225 they settled for. Um, light heavyweight fight, but I think they settled for 225 because of of the issues that, that took place. They didn't want to make them do a weight cut again, a, a crazy weight cut. So I think they settled for 225, either 215 or 225. Regardless, uh, it's a decent card. Definitely check that out, and it's going to be free on ESPN+. Plus. But that is this weekend. Thank you for listening to The Fight Fan, uh, and I will see you guys soon. Thank you for listening. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.